Welcome to Physio Monday, everyone. Today we are talking about wrist injuries. This is something that's quite common for a lot of people, especially if you start on your calisthenics journeys. And it's no uh, no surprise because the wrist is the smallest and weakest joint in your upper body if you're gonna put all your weight on it. Stick around. What's up, tribe? My name's Yanni Bormeister. Across the table is Rad. Behind the mixer is Richie. And to my left is Phil White, a.k.a. Switched On Physio. Name could potentially change soon. Uh, we are Unity Gym and the Unify Movement System. Today we're going deep into wrist injuries because we've all had them. Question of the day before we get started. Let us know if you've ever had a wrist injury and how did you fix it if you did? would love to get your feedback and comments and a bit of discussion happening in the comments. How is everyone today? Good. Yeah, been thinking about changing my name to Greg for a while, and I think uh, it's, I think it's time. <laughs> <laughs> now, in all <laughs> in all fairness, uh, Phil's in, in in work behind the scenes on a very exciting project, uh, working in collaboration with another amazing physiotherapist, um, and they potentially are going to launch. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like I started up switched up on physio when I was doing my online um, physiotherapy, and it was kind of a space that like the name originally came for my idea for a podcast that I'm doing where I interview uh, physios and try and help mentor young like mentor myself and then help others in the process where um and so that was the idea uh for switch on physio and then now I've, yeah i've got this exciting collaboration that i'm working on and should things should be starting to roll out soon and that will be under a different name so. yeah morning jose and anyone else that's on the live stream uh give us a little shout out so we can say good morning to you as well and and morning to richard for those of you um, not not uh who aren't aware who aren't in the know richard is now mic'd up so richie how are you today I'm doing good. I uh, had a nice weekend, relaxing weekend. Uh, not much to share, didn't do too much. Uh, enjoyed some good food, caught up on some sleep. Uh, that's it. Sounds good. You've got no idea how badly I feel like I'm holding back the jokes about overcoming wrist injuries, but I'm going to keep it clean today. So, <laughs> but this is like for me, this is this is Sense a really it's a hard family friendly. This is a really hard thing <laughs> for me. If anybody knows me, I feel like I'm kind of sitting here ready to explode. <laughs> but yep. Set, fa- yeah, let's keep it family friendly today. <laughs> let's keep it family friendly. Well, it's good to have Richie on the mic. Uh, so should we get into Should we read out the question that um, has um, spawned this show? Should we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is coming from a question by Calle Alexander. I'm not sure if that's pronunciation is right or if that's Spanish. Maybe it's Calle Alexander um, on the Movement Mastermind group. Uh, and it says, hey guys, new to the group. Been loving the YouTube videos and podcast. I have a question about wrist mobility slash flexibility. About two years ago, I broke my scaphoid bone in my wrist. Uh, I got a screw in there now. Since the surgery, the pain has gotten a lot better, but there's still pain and I can't do a proper push-up or handstand because my wrist doesn't bend that far anymore. Does anyone have any advice on how I can possibly recover from this? Would love to be able to do a handstand. So Sunday, thanks. So there's a, so there's a screw still in the wrist. Yep. Inside yeah. the wrist. Mm. Yeah. So that's ob- that's obviously going to create a permanent disability. Is that uh, right? Not necessarily disability, and not necessarily um, permanent. And yeah, I think. Yeah. Bef- sorry, I was going to say before we get the logical mind on it, can I share a story? Because um, yeah, I just think this is such a um, like this is about this guy with the wrist with a screw in it. But like, there's so there's going to be so much about how to like the, the basic principles and then everyone will be really yeah. useful, especially if you're yeah. doing that handstand yeah. mask class at the moment. So, so uh, Kalisha, when she first started here, that's it for, for those of you who don't know, that's my fiance and she used to work for Unity Gym. That's how we met um, many, many moons ago. 
she had exactly the same break, the kyphoid um, bone, uh, scaphoid bone in the in the wrist. It was from a snowboarding accident, and um, I've also she, had it. It's really common if you fall with your arm out. That's right. Yeah, and she, uh, initially when she first came here, she couldn't load the wrist at all, and uh, the, she had no chance of doing a handstand. And um, it was actually l quite literally since she did our wrist routine uh, daily for a long time and she she's um still got a uh um a, what do you call it a screw in there and stuff like that it was never removed um yeah she can now do handstands and stuff like that so she there, there's still the the it's still there's still a, the this i don't know whether it's the psychology or whether there's limitation there she still does talk about her wrist and she you know she's cons she's aware of it and she's cautious of it but it's certainly um opened up and improved after doing a bit of um, active mobility mobbing joint mobbing and uh strengthening and just for the people listening in when Renyani says mobbing you mean movement right not because in physio well, land, that's... Well, I would refer to the yeah. um, the really, the loaded uh, uh, flexibility stuff we do on the wrist, I would refer to as mobbing because we are moving the, the bones around sure. a little bit, doing those r twists and things like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean it in the literal form there, yeah. yeah. Have you had any wrist injuries, Radden? Sure have, yeah. I, um, excuse me. <coughs> so, I mean, when I did martial arts... Um, I had several wrist injuries, but that was, you know, a long time ago. And my wrist did get stronger over time, but, you know, like punching the wrong way. And man, like wrist injuries in martial arts are full on because it often it comes from, you know, hitting something with full force and yeah. then your wrist goes boom and buckles under it. So it's a, it's a really um, traumatic uh, experience. Yeah. But in more recent times and something that maybe people that are doing the UMS can relate to a little bit better. When I started learning how to do handstands, um, I went... Uh, I just went into it without conditioning my wrist properly. And so, and, and what I mean by that is I, I did too much volume. So understanding the process now, I did too much volume on my hands without having conditioned my wrist effectively. And I got to a point where I couldn't invert, I couldn't put weight on my hands without being in really bad pain. Um, and I went and saw Leroy. That was when you were still studying and I couldn't, yeah. uh, I couldn't get in touch with you. And I went out to Leroy and, and he worked some magic on me and, and, uh, and basically said, look, you're going to have to stop doing handstands until you strengthen your wrists enough. Um, and then I went through the whole process of strengthening my wrists. And it took about six months before I could invert again. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, I've never had a problem. Yeah, perfect. So the wrists are such an interesting joint because they're quite different to um, the other joints in your body and especially with when it comes to um you know this kind of crowd where we're doing gymnastics in um gymnastics it, it really takes some planning to and and preparation to get to the point where you can can start loading um weight bearing through a joint that is you know not maybe uh evolved to be entirely a weight bearing joint and so why why it's an interesting um uh joint is that the sorry i'm so distracted by yeah i'm looking for this photograph <laughs> i'm looking for this photograph of me doing a, a handstand on my wrists that we could pr potentially bring up to show how much you can strengthen the wrists but it's all right I, I won't yeah okay so with um with the hands and the wrists you basically have a whole bunch of um little bones in your hand and one of them is your carpal bones the and carpals, the scaphoid yeah. is one of them um and then as it crosses the wrist joint it's as if you feel around your wrist you'll notice that it's quite different to like you know your knee where you run into your quads your hamstrings and your calves um most of the muscles that support your wrist are actually um, what you call like extrinsic muscles so they're not um in and around like the muscle bellies aren't around the wrist that a lot of the 
muscles that control your hand and your wrist are actually coming from further up your forearm. So you can imagine if you um, start trying to load up through that joint and weight bear through that joint, um, you know, the muscles kind of aren't going to be as strong and aren't going to be as like directly stabilizing through the joint. So it's much more common to develop sort of joint passive structure injuries. So that's bone cartilage. So your TFCC is a really common one in the wrist. Um, and because there is just generally not as much muscle around there kind of supporting. So it takes it. So you can imagine that the, if you get into wrist stuff really quickly, um, your passive structures we know take a bit longer to develop. So it's kind of a common thing where people are like, oh, you know, I've done a couple of weeks of wrist prep, I should just be able to bang out some handstands. But really, because you're really loading up these passive structures in a big way, um, it just takes that much longer to um, develop it. So uh, it's a, yeah, and really do, do, you want, do you want to just remind our audience, Phil, on, on how long it takes for those passive structures to start going through the, uh, to start adapting to load and becoming stronger and more robust? Yeah, so if we think about muscles first, so active structures um, generally take, you know, around that sort of six week um, thing to really start to see some proper hypertrophy and, and, and muscle size change. And so when you think about passive structures, it can be, you know, much longer, basically. Like um, what are and we that looking at, like six, so like six months to 24 like months kind of thing? You know, for ligaments at a three-month mark and then cartilage a bit longer than that and bones remodel, you know, quite slowly again as well. So and it's and not, that's like and the minimum time. That's, yeah, when it, yeah. and that, that's not to say that you can't do anything because obviously the way we help make these um, structures remodel is by giving them a stress that then they respond to. So not to say like, you know, don't do anything for six weeks. If you don't do yeah. anything, you're not going to get stronger. So well, let's <laughs> just let's just quickly outline what it looks like in our, in our, in our wrist prep um, conditioning. It, taking for example the handstand masterclass because that's the most obvious example. You know, the way we do it is we we condition the wrists in a kneeling position where you're completely in control of how much load you put through your wrist. Then we slowly bring the feet. Uh, so, so the knees are quite close to the hand position in that instance. And then the way we progressively overload it is we slowly progressively pull the knees away from the hands and eventually we go up onto our toes. So you're in a push-up position doing your wrist prep work. And then from there we start to invert and go um, onto your hands. And the whole process happens very progressively using the, the key... Uh, two sort of um, strength and conditioning principles, progressive overload and, of course, load management, good load management. And this is the difficult thing when people say, oh, I want to learn handstands. The first thing they do is they try and invert. Yeah. And inversion <laughs> is 100% of the body weight going through the wrists. And yeah, and if, especially when you're starting handstands, it's not you're not very controlled as well. So you, you're now trying to deal with like a total end range. So when you're doing a four-point kneeling and then out to push-up position, you're in extension. But when you get to... Um, when you have to inversion in handstands, you're even going like kind of forcing past yeah. it there and you're not doing it in a very controlled way when you're first learning to handstand. So, so. so just, I just want to build some context. I really want this to, to sink in for the people watching, for the viewers watching. Doing a handstand without doing proper wrist prep uh, and wrist conditioning, which as we've just heard, can take months and months to, to uh, adapt the passive structures, uh, is no different, in my opinion, to trying to do a bodyweight barbell back squat without conditioning your body to do so. It's like if you're an 80 kilo or 90 kilo person, guy, put 80 or 90 kilos on without doing any prior preparation work and then try and back squat. It's, the notion is ridiculous. Yeah. And that's why we say, you know, if you want to learn to do something um, like a handstand, 
you you have to put in the foundational work. I go. I'd argue it's more like putting 180 on your on your yeah. Brain I would say yeah. As well. yeah it's <laughs> because so yeah. When you think about yeah the the wrists and what they're sort of you know we generally use them for more like fine motor things. So it's yep. they're not kind of st- the the structures aren't like your ankle where they're all sort of like congruent weight bearing joints that um you know are meant to be kind of passively state like loaded. This is fine motor. Like yeah. not weight yeah. bearing. Well, so this is yeah. So the, the, we we are not designed to do handstands. Like genetically, when you look at our bodies and you look at the way we are, we 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 certainly weren't built in a way that we were meant to put all of our weight on our hands. But that doesn't mean you can't do it. But you've got to understand the process that it takes, and you just need to look at the foot and the ankle and the the whole leg structure. That just the, the lower limb is, is so much more robust than the arms and the wrists. And you're going down to that finest and the point. shoulders, man. Yeah, exactly. Look at the hip to the shoulder joint. Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah, like, that's the dead giveaway. Yeah. The shoulder joint is designed for mobility. The hip joint is designed for stability. Stability, and you power know. And yeah. so let me I give a, a diff a new example because this is very recent. Um, uh, and we'll, we, we won't just talk about handstands here. How else does this apply? Well, lately, I used to, I have a history of boxing. I boxed to some form since I was 14 years old, right up until the age of 40, uh, 30 years old. And then I sort of stopped boxing for, for business reasons. I just didn't want to do... I'm very competitive and I found it hard not to be competitive when I was boxing. And recently, uh, as I as my weight goes up, as I get older, uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing a day a week of boxing again. And um, I've still got a punching bag here and a speedball, and you know, I've I've gone, I've put on a lot of weight in the meantime. I'm I stood on the scales with Phil last week, I think, at 95 and a half kilos, uh, and. So, you know, my I'm carrying more weight. There's definitely more power and more weight behind my punches. And uh, I went up and started sort of hitting the punching bag and my wrists aren't and my hands aren't conditioned to the level that they used to be. I used to be able to punch a concrete wall and, and get away with it with a little bit of bruising, you know. Uh, and I completely stuffed both my wrists. And I was... In, the, in, in my mind, I was like, okay, only do 70%. Only hit this bag, heavy bag, at 70% of your speed and power. Uh, and even that was enough to, to yeah. buckle. And there wasn't and a point where a really, I, That's a really good example of like your conditioning needs to be specific for your activity. So although you've been doing lots of prep for, you know, kind of weight bearing and controlled stuff, you haven't had the uh, prep for like ballistic kind of resisted extension, which is basically what punching yep. is. And that's like, is just a really good example of like, if you want to be working ballistically, you need to start off being not ballistic and then gradually increase the speed and intensity and all of that. Yep. Um, but then for like, yeah, so it's very much, you got to think about your goals, like have your goals in mind as we always sort of say, mm. and think about the stepping stones to, to get there. So um, yep. that's so key when like with, if we kind of t- walk through our wrist prep here, um, what that's kind of designed for a handstand, which is going to be you know really useful for other wrist like boxing, but it's not going to be the same as like slowly building up your yeah. you know, your tolerance, yeah. building hitting a bag. So that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So with when it comes to the uh, scaphoid injury, this is a really common one, and it's very relevant for anyone who's kind of having trouble getting into handstands because basically it's when um, often it's that loaded e- extension position, so weight bearing into extension. And so what we think about with all um, joints is um, the first up, like how much range of motion you have. And so so um, Kelly was saying that um, he's finding it really hard to get into full extension. And so when you think about range of motion in the wrist. Um, the, it's a kind of a funny one to test because um, you know usually with a with a joint or um, you you know you'd go one way and then you'd, you'd go the other um, and 
test your, your flexion and extension. But when you think about um, that in the wrist, if I'm doing it with a straight hand, if I go down into, um, into flexion with a straight uh, hand, that's the end range of the joint for, my, um, for flexion. Um, but if I go back like this, now it's going to be the, basically it, the muscle stretch. So if I'm keeping my hand straight, it's, it's something that people often kind of get a bit, bit wrong when testing is, is yeah, if you're going full extension with your hand open, um, then it's actually going to be your, your forearm flexes that are the, the limiting, limiting factor. factor. And you can kind of tell the difference there by feeling that kind of hard end point versus like a bit of a bouncy, stretchy end point. And yeah. so if you're looking at if you can get into full extension with your wrist open, um, that's probably going to be a forearm flexor, flexor tightness if you can't quite get there. Um, whereas if you go into a closed fist, now if you go into full flexion, um, so wrist going towards the forearm, now that's going you can really feel it pull on your extensors. Yeah. So now yeah. that's your kind of extensor length. But if you go into extension, now that's your true sort of um, joint end range. Yep. So that's a really yep. kind of key one to understand, to understand the passive versus active resistance of the muscles. So why that's important is when you're figuring out like, okay, can I not get into extension? Is it because I've got tight muscles or is it an actual joint thing? So if you're not able to get in a extended position while you've got your full fist, but then you open your fingers and it's about the same, then that still means it's a passive structure issue, which I'm sure is what Cal is having so, here. So just, let's just slow down for a sec. For those yeah. of you watching, listening on the podcast, let's just explain exactly what uh, Phil demonstrated because you can't see the video. Yeah. And I urge you, if you do want to see the video, it's going to be up on YouTube at uh, Unity Gym or get over to the UMS Movement Mastermind private Facebook group and you can interact with us whilst we're doing this recording. But what he did there was he demonstrated with a closed fist, make a fist and then test the wrist mobility. And that d will, will indicate whether it's a... Uh, uh, what so in flexion, if you're in a fist, if you go into flexion, it's gonna be your extensors. So you, the um, dorsal side of your hand, the back side of your hand, that's the muscle tightness there. But if yep. you go into extension, fist into extension is the joint end range. Whereas yep. if you go into a open hand, going into flexion is going to be the joint end of range flexion. I, I know this is really hard to conceptualize, but then going into your, um, going into extension is now going to be the forearm flexor muscle length. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's one that kind of, if you just try that yourself, go forward and back, you can feel the muscles pulling um, when you go into fist into flexion and open hand into extension. Yeah. Um, and so that's the kind of one of the key things to understand is, is whether or not you're it's like a joint block or if it's a kind of muscular block because that will tell you, you know, if you, if just, you know, all the flexibility principles apply for yep. muscles or if you yep. um, maybe have a joint thing going on. And, and just quickly, because I've spoken to people who are very, very um, convinced, people that I, tr I trust, their feedback, are very convinced that even if it is a joint block, you over time, if you're progressive, you can increase the mobility still. It's, it's not going to increase by a huge amount. Yeah, but so it, it's definitely like, you know, um, going to be somewhat case by case. So for someone like Kelly with a screw in there, like obviously that can, you know, when you have sort of external things that um, yep. it's really hard for, for me to say whether or not he'll ever get, be able to get that back. And probably yep. talking to the surgeon in conjunction with a hand physio is the best way to go um, with that. If you have like a special circumstance like a, yep. you know, a surgical thing. But, um, you know, with like any sort of rehab principles, gradual exposure is, is going to be the, the way to achieve it. And it's often like, you know, if you push it too much and aggravate it, then you go a bit backwards. So yeah. you've just got to find that sort of sweet spot to keep yeah. uh, moving forward. 
One thing I will say, um, I know that this kind of contradicts what Phil said there, but my experience with surgeons and doctors is that they will tell you worst case scenario to prepare you. They don't want to tell you, give you false hope. And yeah. uh, but, but I actually disagree with the notion of that because I feel like it really restricts your, um, it stifles your, your uh, uh, like, um, your, your, your motivation and it's and it sort of prevents people from even trying um, because they kind of get told by a surgeon or a, or a specialist or a doctor no you won't get that mobility back there's not and, and then that implies there's no point trying uh, which I really heavily disagree with because I've seen some remarkable um, uh, changes in people when they do um, uh, sort of deploy a, 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 a yeah, mentality it's, it's of like I'm going to achieve this with, at all costs. His, his um, you know, foot injury back in the day. He yeah, the I said, had the same no. with my back. Yeah. I've had the same with my shoulder. I've had the same with my knee. You yeah. know, I was told that I would never squat heavy again after my knee reconstruction. If those of you who follow me on Facebook, you would have seen me do a beautiful pause rep at 170 kilos last week. You know, um, I was told that I'd never deadlift the yeah, heavy, so as heavy as I'm deadlifting. Can to say like work with surgeons because they, you know, they're the ones who've done the thing, they've done the scans, everything. But working in conjunction with a hand physio is a good idea. And as bonus points, if you can do work with someone who is also working with elite athletes in that space, so yeah. gymnasts or yeah. um, boxers, you know, especially yeah. something depending on your particular sport. I think that's um, a big one. Uh, working with a physio, and this is something that I think, because it's Physio uh, Monday, we should certainly frame. There's a very big difference between working with a, a general pops physio who specializes in just getting people to a baseline and someone like Phil. I've experienced this firsthand myself when I came out of rehab for my knee. I was basically rehabbed like a general pops. Um, populations, general population. general population, just to be able to take a flight of stairs and sit in and out of a chair. And the moment I, I started getting back into my serious weightlifting, my knee really, really flared up. I got what um, what's referred to as a baker's cyst, which is a fluid uh, build up in the back of the knee and it became quite uncomfortable. And then I went to see a friend of mine who Phil's also worked with, who's a, a physio to more elite athletes. And he had a completely different approach and gave me a completely different plan of attack. And a year later, I'm back to where I was before. And he sort of said, look, you gotta understand these people that you worked with in the hospital, they're not trying to get you to elite level. They're just trying to get you to be able to leave the hospital and walk around yep. and they, they want to tick the basic criteria. boxes. Yep. That's exactly right. So there's a difference and you need to make sure that the physio that you align yourself with is a performance, they, they got performance in mind because yep. most of the people watching this aren't settling for basic uh, general pop standards. You know, they're, they're wanting to take their bodies a little bit further. And if you need to, connect with Phil you can do online you can you can connect with him online and he can at least give you some guidance you as know you're not in America yeah <laughs> unfortunately. Even, even still you can yes. ask questions and he can give yeah. you general feedback you can't unfortunately because of legal reasons and insurance purposes he can't consult with someone in America but you can still give them feedback you know yeah. Yeah. So well, should we, but we're running out of time. Should we answer yeah. some of these questions? Yeah. Uh, here before we I just really want to um, just get back to Kelly's question yep. um, and kind of wrap that up. Uh, one thing that is really, yeah, quite challenging when you can't get into that full range, obviously handstands are pretty much out, but what you can do is use stall bars. That's um, what I was about to and say. Basically anything where you're in a neutral grip yeah. position. So um, if you can 
if you have still bars, ju- jump uh, online. Not, not even still bars. Parallels. Jump jump online, brother, and uh, Amazon. For, uh, on Amazon, you can get a nice little set of the wooden um, parallels. They're like little uh, mini parallels. They sit about a couple of inches off the ground. Yeah, that's right. Exactly and this. this is exactly what they're designed for. And, um, and I, so I have heaps of friends who still master handstands and hand balancing using those. Yeah, and bonus, it's going to be great for a joint injury because when when looking at and part of why we you know test with the um, you know, to see if it's an active or passive structure, the testing is meant to inform your, your, your treatment and your guidance. So if your joint is not quite getting there because of a passive sort of block, then think we need to bring more stability to a, like help facilitate that movement. So by doing parallel and, and working on your hand balancing, what you're doing is getting awesome co-contraction of the muscles around your wrist. So not only flexors and extensors, but also the lateral and um, ulnar, um, the ulnar and radial deviators as well, which all work as a, you know, that active sort of um, scaffolding around your wrist. So the more you can, um, you know, be working towards your goals, getting doing the hand balancing, but also in a sort of relevant functional way, you're gonna get great strength. You're gonna get good load tolerance, which is like so much of this is overcoming um, sort of the perceived threat pain stuff that we've talked a lot about in previous episodes. Yep. Um, and by being more comfortable in that position in a slightly less aggressive range, that's an awesome way of doing it. So Yeah, there you go. So um, th- not only is it uh, uh, going to be beneficial for your handstands, it's also going to be a great idea for your wrist, brother, and it might help unlock that wrist in future. Yeah. Go. Yeah, cool. Yeah, look, my general experience and what I recommend for everyone is that if you're going to go down the road of learning how to do any kind of calisthenics training, anything that involves putting weight on your hands, um, you're going to need to spend um, six months conditioning your wrists. And that's what I did when I developed my um, wrist pain. I basically said to myself, all right, for the next six months, I'm going to work on conditioning my wrists. And what that looked like for me was I started with two days a week. And then when that was an, what wasn't causing me pain, I went to three days a week. Um, and I just followed the general wrist conditioning that we do in the handstand masterclass. Um, and I also had done the stuff that we do in the UMS Foundations program, which is different. And it's also in the 18 minute stretch routine. It's, uh, isn't it? Yeah, differently. I mean, you know, the, the, the exercises are, but the, you know, the, the devil's in the dosage and the, you know, the, it's, it's about the way that it's explained in the handstand yeah. masterclass and the way that you, you explain the dosage. So the other really important sort of takeaway rehab point is often with these things, as, as we talked about before with capacity and load, and think about your bucket and how much your water you're putting in that bucket. Often you sort of, with wrists, it sort of has a certain amount and you can handle and then it just becomes too much. So if you can mm-hmm. think about how you're using your wrists throughout the rest of um, your training and also the rest of your day, then that can really help um, by, you know, you might have it like, it, you might have it in you to do like, you know, a couple of handstands a week. Um, but if you are also doing some heavy bench press when you're in a really extended position, if you're also doing um, push-ups in a regular sort of hand position if you're practicing your planche if you're doing all of that plus you're trying to do handstands that can sometimes be too much whereas if you adapt your exercises so maybe doing instead of barbell bench press in an extended position going into a dumbbell in a neutral position so now your wrists are in neutral Um, if you're doing uh, push-ups but you do it in your fists instead trying to think about how you can load up a neutral position and then in your outside of work uh, in your life if you're at a keyboard and your wrists are really extended for the whole day and you just like kind of jamming that extension all day as well think about getting a wrist support so you then go into that supported neutral position and that way now you've suddenly like just taken out about you know 90 percent of the the time you're usually extension so you might be able to get a few um you know good sort of handstand sessions in a week because you've deloaded in other areas so that's just a really important um yeah way just think about when you're doing your um and and with like ring pull-ups maybe just t- taking a bit of time off the <laughs> the false grip um just trying to think about how you're using your wrist in other ac- activities and adapting it generally to neutral will be a, yep. a nice way to do it awesome 
All right, team. So yeah. let's move into some of these uh, questions here. So I'll just Comments. see which. Um, so uh, Chris Grant saying, fell in winter and jammed my wrist uh, to where it was hard to move for several weeks, let alone pushing. Overcome by doing a gr- uh, range of motion wrist exercises and by doing a distraction of metacarpals, which helped stretching uh, forearm some. I still occasionally have issues, but the wrist mobility warm-up I learned from Rad helps tremendously. That's awesome. Um, and just on... Uh, the with kind of people often wear wrist supports and that can be another way of just kind of taking a bit of an edge off that kind of jamming extension that's what i've been doing at the moment with my lifting i've just gone back to using uh straps so that i could still and it's not comfortable doing bench press uh even doing squats has been um uh fairly uncomfortable but with wrist straps it just takes that edge off it so that it's sort of a bit better because it gives me peace of mind it makes it feel a bit better yep so um Tony Rotella saying, man, this is timely. Just fell off an electric skateboard 10 weeks ago. Still can't do a push-up. Range of motion is fine. Just painful to support weight on it. Can do a push-up on my fists. Fine. And no pain when poked or prodded. Uh, my PT thinks it's a trapped nerve. I have an appointment with an orthopedist tomorrow. Great. Let's see how that appointment yeah, goes. Glad you're um, following that up. Good to yep. see that. One thing with, um, obviously, painful on um, like weight bearing is often really common and it can be really frustrating because it kind of ha- can stick around for a long time and you can feel like oh man every, anytime I try and progress I keep on getting pain so it's really this is a really helpful time to try and get some objective measures about whether or not you are progressing because often it's people get really frustrated they're like they're in pain at the start of a rehab journey and then six weeks later they're still in pain but they don't realize it now they've um, they've actually progressed with how much weight they're putting on how much time they're doing so um, using kind of old school analog scales can be a really nice way of testing your weight bearing um, so even just having it on like a maybe use a physio table in front but you could do it I guess in four point kneeling trying to put weight into your hand and trying to have like a certain pain threshold like cut off so maybe you know five out of ten or even just onset of pain and see how much weight you can put onto that wrist and then um, that way when you've done a bunch of training a couple of weeks later come back and see if you've progressed because often you still will be in pain but now you're you know putting uh, you know 40% more weight through that wrist and that's progress people often think like oh i'm still in pain so i haven't progressed but no like that's really important progress so it's just a key one to to think about and getting objective measures the two you usually use are um grip strength so using a dynamometer is great if you can but obviously most people don't have that um but like a a grip testing with like even pinch testing of um plates in the gym can be a good way of doing it but otherwise yeah the weight bearing onto a scale yeah um, Eric is saying, I injured my wrist by trying to do too much too soon, training muscle-ups with a false grip. I remember not even being able to turn a key without wincing in pain. I went to see Leroy, uh, who told me that I needed to strengthen my forearm muscles. So I've been doing forearm strengthening exercises since then. It's healed now, but it took a long time, like five months or so. I remember that, Erica. Erica is uh, one of our superstar members at the gym. You you might have seen her videos on our Instagram page doing planches and pull-ups. She's, she's an absolute Flag weapon. The Flag the yeah. other day. Yeah, that was Erica. Um, and yeah. yeah, I remember that uh, time for you, Erica. And uh, it seems so long ago now, so it's, it's so good to see that you know you you did the work and and, and uh, you know got the results and, and healed your body. You um, Janelle. Yeah, Janelle is. Oh, did I? Sorry, Janelle yeah. saying so glad I saw this pop up. I have been doing the forearm exercises, but my right wrist feels all crunchy. I just push through it, and when I warm up, it works. But man, I cannot bear weight on it cold. Mm. So that's quite a common thing, isn't it? Feel like yeah. the way that things like um, you know warm up, and then you feel okay, but you need to watch out for that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like often with kind of warm up, like pain, like initial pain, it's often that kind of tendinopathy process we kind of think about where 
that's a common one where like if you start off and it's in pain and then it feels better once you get going often that can be um, more on the tendinopathy side of things where if it's an acute injury as soon as you put your weight in it it's yep. going to be nasty and the more you do it uh, the worse, it gets worse, worse. It gets, yeah. um, and so yeah both of these um, ladies have been talking about how that um, doing forearm exercise and that's just a really key one that I hope people have taken away that yeah it's your forearm muscles that control your wrist so um, if you get nice big strong forearms then your wrist will be so much more supported and obviously doing flexion extension exercises are great but often if you think about how your wrist works it's often working isometrically um so actually bracing against um a force and your elbows moving or your shoulders are moving mm. so really you got to think that you know doing concentric knee could be great but if you're pushing into a painful range that's can be somewhat detrimental. So really try and think about how you can build in that kind of co-contraction stuff as well, which just, is weight bearing. Just before we go forward, I just want to confirm whether Janelle's doing the foundations forearm exercises where you're really strengthening supination, pronation, flexion, extension, ulnar and radial deviation, or just the warm-up routine. Well, she's just joined the UMS program, so I hope you are doing that stuff, Janelle, um, because I, I... I would recommend really sinking your teeth into the foundations yeah, program. Janelle is the person that we spoke to about last week where she doesn't have access to a full gym and I think she just has gymnastics rings at home okay um so broomstick. maybe so yeah the broomstick yeah in in the very least you know like with a broom you can do the pronation and supination and the radial and ulnar deviation yeah with the broom if you have a look at the phase two and three of the foundations program in the bent arm strength workouts you should see those exercises um i'd be doing those for yep. sure yeah and uh, i would make it a priority if you are only ever going to work at home to invest a, a few hundred bucks into a set of one to ten kilo dumbbells just the hex dumbbells i think you can get a full set in australia for about 500 bucks so in in the us it'd be half that at like 250 dollars and uh it's a great investment yep. yeah hex hex can be a great way of, of being able to weight bear in a um you know you know saying i spend about an hour a day on my wrist um too much. you don't need to do that much <laughs> yeah that's uh, 15 minutes uh, a couple of times a week is is more than enough um so l let's just answer this one last question because we are out of time um simon vandekratz is saying i've had carpal tunnel surgery i have lost some range of movement can i rehab the wrist to regain full range uh, so you've already had the surgery, great. Um, yeah, like try it. Like you've just got to keep, if you you just got to keep trying to push that range a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, test it to the other side. Try and regain sort of as much as you can normal wise. But obviously post surgery, I'm not sure when you had your surgery. So take you know follow your um, post surgical guidelines first and foremost. Um, but yeah, I think you should always be working back towards full range. Yep, um, yep. Whether or not you particularly can, I can't say. Um, yep. Just, just yeah, remember <laughs> that it's always, load management is always going to be key and progressive overload. It's not something you can fix overnight. Um, just quickly on Janelle's, uh, could the right tricep tightness, um, a, a tight tricep impact wrist range of motion? Um, not directly, like it won't be working on the actual wrist, but it might. Um, it, it, I guess that puts you in more elbow extension, which yep. yeah, I, it's not the issue. Don't yeah. don't be distracted by your triceps. Work on your wrists, but yep. also don't work on your wrist too much. You said you're working an hour a day, which is maybe that's too much. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say that's because you think too about much. like how you know with these structures, we need to give them stimulus, and then we need to let them recover. And and yep. if your wrists your wrists are involved in lots of exercises throughout the week, so if you're already doing all the gym stuff with you know like you're at home, but like we're using our wrists so much, and so we've got to respect the like necessary recovery time as well. Yep. Awesome team. Well, that's all we got Sorry time if I for today. Spoke really quickly. This might be if you're on the podcast, re-listen at like 0 0.7 speed <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm a million miles an hour. <laughs> but there's so much to talk about with this. Yeah, so we had a lot to get going. 
Thanks, yeah. everyone, on the UMS uh, Movement Mastermind Facebook group for your interaction. That was fantastic. Uh, it's good to see everyone yeah. working so hard to overcome. Yeah. And anyone who has picked up the handstand program over the weekend and are really excited about, you know, getting stuck into doing handstands, just take this episode as a like good yeah. example embrace of why the you need to yeah embrace the journey. Yeah. It's not a quick Don't fix. rush. Don't rush. Is that still on sale now? The- it is. Yeah, yeah. It yeah is. they've still got it another is. day and a half. Yeah. To get it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Embrace the journey. That program is a fantastic program, and there is a lot of groundwork. It get, takes you through everything from the very beginning, uh, right through to being able to do a straight line handstand. So, yeah. embrace the journey. Condition your core. Condition your shoulders. Condition your wrists. Condition yep. your hands. And, and thanks so much for Kelly to um, for the question. And that's like that's been a, the grounds for uh, what I think is a, hopefully a really useful um, episode here. So remember, everyone who is watching, um, you know, we love your questions and it really helps. Like, it's like Kelly's questions clearly helped a lot of people here. So make sure you do get your questions in and we'll um, use it for another week. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We'll see you all tomorrow. We've got a big, uh, big series coming up. I won't give too much away just yet, but um, we'll see you tomorrow on the podcast. See you later, everyone. Thanks, guys. See you. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.